Welcome to Finding Fit, a podcast by three best friends and business partners. We're holding nothing back, and we apologize in advance. I'm your host, Angela Beeler. And I'm your host, Katherine Ballas. And I'm your host, Emily Field. So grab a cup of coffee, take a shot of whiskey, or pour your favorite glass of Prosecco. And join us for a conversation about finding your place in this crazy world. And this. Is finding fit. <laughs> that was good. That was a 100% improvement, even though it was still wrong. Yeah. Okay, so did we decide what we're talking about today? Wow, Emily. <laughs> <laughs> Emily's like, I'm going to make noise no matter what. So oh typing. My. I'm going to take these two Sharpies and slap them together this real quick. This is the morning I have a lot of um, energy. energy. Uh-huh. On the inside <laughs> that... I Gotta like get out. showed up ready to work <laughs> and now I'm like it. sitting constricted needing to talk. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, so my mind's just kind of busy. So since I can't use my mind to do that, I'm doing things with my hands. Yeah. Is today a good day for you to do it's, this? It's great. Let's just, sure? I'll, I'll get into the moment. I think where the podcast is concerned, no day is a great day. Wait, but once I sad. do it, I'm happy uh-huh. to have done it. Yeah, it's same. Just, it's it's you. It's like getting out of work mode. Right. To be here, this never feels productive to me. <laughs> I mean, talking to y'all is my favorite thing to do, mm-hmm. but but I mean, I don't want to go do what I need to do in the office. I'd rather do this, but it always feels like the podcast could happen like at 10 p.m. With one. If we were just like yeah. chatting. Maybe that's yeah. what we need to do. We Maybe need, we just yeah. need to change the no, time. No, we've actually tried that before. Um, no, we haven't. Yes, we have. You, when you and I were thinking about doing our own little podcast, um, we remember we did it at your apartment once, and the energy was so low. Remember we were arguing because I would come in well, oh, with no, the plan. No, I don't because that's about every day. Because I would come in with the plan and I didn't want you to ask questions necessarily about what the podcast topic was because then I thought it took a... Then it's like people start acting because they have the the notes or the uh-huh. organization. Oh, yes, which was so funny to me because usually you're like, I need a plan with I had a four plan. points. No, I had no, a plan. But I didn't want to tell you. I know, but you, if I, she were on the other foot and I had the plan and didn't want to tell you, cool. Well, sure. I wanted the live <laughs> chemistry of you answering on the spot and not really having opportunity to think through your answers. Cause when you think it's yeah. like less. Just me specifically when I <laughs> think. <laughs> when you think it's less. <laughs> no. Angela, do you like being put on the spot with questions? No, because I don't like focused central Speaking attention. Speaking of. I don't like centralized attention like that. Angela, what's which, your... Which, and Cappy loves. Yeah. <laughs> she does. I think Reading more, it all. This. You're more comfortable with it, but I think that is that would be a surprise to people. I don't like... Um, uh, I like indirect attention. I like to be part of like where the activity is happening. We have talked about this. You prefer to be the interviewer than the interviewee. Yes. You like to be in control. It's the fact that if you are on the receiving end of that, you are out, not, Ooh, no can't longer think in control. Through my questions yeah. or think through my answers. Yeah, but I also think <laughs> yeah, I'm okay no. with like planned well. attention moments. Like Emily, when you and I went to do the speaking <laughs> engagement. Planned attention moments. <laughs> Yeah, like where you, you have, knew when we were on yeah. a panel, yeah. everyone when knew that they were there to listen to us. It, I'm fine with that. It's the moments like sometimes in staff meeting, 
um, you know, like this week, the staff meeting, the question was, so Angela, how are you doing? I don't <laughs> like that, you know, or. Well, that was a lot of nose breath. Just <laughs> Emily. Strong uh, agreement. I don't like when people ask how I'm doing when it's just them uh-huh. to have to answer how I'm doing in front of a group, especially when you know we're eventually needing to get to staff meeting. It's yes. like. Yeah, yeah. Yada, yada. I think, or my birthday encouragement time being yeah. in the middle of an encouragement circle I, think I totally look, get that the no. worst is that how are you good no how are you <laughs> and you're like shut no, really. up <laughs> no I think so just not to like defend myself but in that staff meeting in particular I could sense in the room that people were kind of being cautious like everyone was in not a great spot it felt mm-hmm. like everybody was like one through ten everyone was like at a five mm-hmm. and so Part of it is giving space to people to just say that. And part of it is like, hey, are we all okay? Yeah. But where it does go south is the, Emily, how are you doing? Yeah. You know? And then it's like, well, everyone else mm-hmm. answered. Why are you talking to me like that? Yeah. 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 Um, I think if I could put you as an, a literary term, Angela, mm-hmm. is that the word I'm looking for? I don't know. An I'll tell you when you an say it. English. Like, a, like um, a book genre? I'm no. an English major, so I'll tell you if it's a literary You know, term like or prepositions. Not. Oh. What are those called? Uh-huh. Parts of words? I don't know. Okay. You would be an indirect object versus a direct object yeah. when it comes to attention. Mm-hmm. You would, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes, because you I'm guys. I'm trying to remember where that is in the sentence structure. No, let's not. Because now you're calling my degree into question. And we just <laughs> we let everyone that. think that I know. But, okay, here's Dig another em. great example. Recon. You mm-hmm. guys at Recon, which is our National Instructor Convention. It's our biggest event of the year. Whenever Club Refit was happening, you guys were amazing being on stage doing the dance solos emily you and tommy doing the dirty dirty dancing uh lift lift fail the snake on the floor Catherine, you're always center those moments i do not thrive it is you know and everyone was like angela angela like get up on stage even the crowd surfing moments Uh i do not appreciate any form of that ever and that is like super direct attention and pressure and i do, I don't like that. Yeah, I think too. But you put me in front of a YouTube filming, and I will run point all day long. Yeah, I'm prepared. Yes, I, I struggle. I can hear one of y'all's mouths just going. It's probably making uh, me chewing gum. No. <laughs> <laughs> I struggle with not feeling prepared when the assumption is that I am prepared. Mm-hmm. So like I've mm-hmm. seen that too. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So like, if you're like, no, Catherine, I don't want to give you these list of questions. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I'm like, I promise if I could go away and think about these, it'll be a little bit better than me just going, well, boom. So here's some, because, well, it, well go ahead. No, go ahead. Well, cause I don't want to just give people like surface if what's asked of me is like depth and the, to not go and think about it feels but don't hard. you find because i've seen you give impromptu depth and i've seen mm. you give impromptu <laughs> surface and there it's a chemistry moment for me and i think that's what i'm trying to create by not giving you those questions at, but more in the moment hopefully successfully setting you up to have an answer or to have whatever it is in the moment but if i give it to you too much in advance then you've overly thought it through and now it feels more like a pre-recorded Gosh, interview. Man, I must be hard to be around. 
<laughs> I was going to say, I have two points. Number one is I do think that our conversations naturally take things in its own direction. So even if we had like the bullet points, everybody knew the questions, we each knew our own answers, the way we respond to each other is always going to elicit that spontaneous in the moment right. dialogue, right? So I think we could venture into having some thoughts. <laughs> oh <my God>. Sorry. <laughs> Big nose breath. And the thing is, is I was intentionally doing it in the microphone. I don't know why. <laughs> of maybe having a little bit more preparation. Everyone can feel good about the parts that they are sharing. But then know that conversation will still create the dynamic that we're wanting. Yeah. I also wanted to point out the number of times that you two have been able to collaborate on whatever the filming ideas or maybe podcast direction or whatever. And I show up doughy eyed. Hey, <laughs> what? It's like 99% What's the prompt? Of the time. Oh, <laughs> talk about yeah. not <laughs> being prepared. And oh, let's sell refit on demand through this promo video. Okay. Here's the script. It's true, but Emily, you actually are very good. You're you're like the player that you can stick in at a moment's notice, and that player is always ready. Yeah. It, I trust you very much in that scenario. And I think it, you know, I don't feel like we would put you in a position where we didn't feel like you could hit at least a single, <laughs> if yeah. not a grand slam. May, yeah. May you not know. score. <laughs> Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and I think we've all had our days where it's like, hi, I'm Catherine and I want <laughs> Hi, I'm <laughs> Welcome to re <laughs> bananas, fingers. Like yeah. we just we can't get the words out, but you specifically in front of a camera, it's very natural for you. Mm-hmm. So, congratulations. Wow. I was trying to make a point not ask for encouragement. <laughs> Now she has direct attention. She's yeah. also uncomfortable with it. My pits so are already sweating. I think this is a Same. good segue maybe to talk about direct attention. I know we had a couple of things planned for today, but um, I, can, I can stand in the light and say if we want to talk about my husband's very dramatic event, and that might lead to other places. We can we can go there. Okay. I think that's fair. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it was one of the things we said we could discuss. Yes. Well, and it's definitely yes. the freshest topic for no, sure. Nothing's happened in any of our lives, I don't think, since that yeah. event that would be worth sharing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, yeah. it's not like, oh, but then this happened yesterday. So maybe yeah. we should go ahead well, and break that down. Comparatively right. speaking, it would be hard to find, uh, you know, I would, anything I of would similar win magnitude. if we were in a, a comparison <laughs> we about were showing what's been cards. going on. Yep. Yeah. Totally. yeah. So bottom line is that my husband was, I don't know, maybe being a little dramatic. No, I'm kidding. Um, (laughs) (laughs) My husband had a, I don't know if you would say if the word is massive or severe, Mm -hmm. um, but he had a heart attack, what, 10 days ago last weekend when Catherine and I were doing an instructor training in Houston and that has never happened to us before and hopefully will never happen to us again. But, um, I think anytime anybody lives through kind of a traumatic event or one of those like soap opera moments where the plot has been this way for so long. And then all of a sudden there's a new Mm -hmm. moment or a defining moment or, 
conflict or turmoil, this, this in a soap opera would be one of those moments that kind of just forever changes the way that you view life and view each other. And yeah, <laughs> maybe that's the end of the podcast. <laughs> the end. <laughs> My husband, and I do want to say this because it's one of the most common questions. Um, he did have a heart attack. He had a 100% blockage in his right artery. He had a 90% blockage in his left, which that left artery apparently is known as the widow maker because for most people, when that artery gets blocked, they, they are no longer here. And then he had blockage in his, in his third. They didn't say what percentage, but he had three stents put in and, um, he has known of a, potential issue with his heart because he's had high cholesterol since he was very young I mean around maybe 28 29 30 so he already knew that genetically he was predisposed to having higher cholesterol and so is is this something that he did to himself because of poor nutrition or lack of exercise or that he was a smoker no no and no um he is genetically disposed disposed predisposed 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 to this condition so because of his nutrition and because of his work working out it's probably de- it probably delayed mm-hmm. the inevitable and um, so because of his heart attack what we know now is that he will spend the rest of his life on medication and he will always be at risk and he'll you know have to go in for i don't know if it's bi-yearly or quarterly or yearly checkups but they'll watch him pretty closely from here on out so that's kind of the short version of the story and I think the important thing to note that was a light bulb moment for all of us was when people say that um, coronary artery disease is genetic it is meaning high you can have high cholesterol high risk of heart attack high risk of all these things it is like 80 percent genetic and that was a like wait whoa like no matter what you do like you Mm -hmm. could be in this moment in your life and Mm -hmm. so that was a huge, like, I did not, I don't think that clicked for me. Because people say, oh, so da, da, blah, 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 is genetic. And you, it doesn't register that, yes, that means watch it, medication, all these things have to happen. Even if you do the best that you can through your diet, through your nutrition, mm-hmm. through um, your lifestyle. So, And to even speak specifically, the, the thing that makes it genetic is not your body builds up plaque Correct. more you know, quicker than most people. It's the size of the artery itself. And Mm -hmm. so that is something that maybe with some testing and some further, you know, some pretty detailed work, if you know that it is in your family, you could go ahead and look Mm -hmm. to see, yeah, how small arteries quick it really could happen. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And what is, what was difficult for Cody is that he's adopted. So we don't have, previous family history but we got a big piece of the puzzle with that initial diagnosis of the cholesterol with that being said I you know I can't go back all those years and say that we were adequate adequately educated on what that meant and he's been on and off medication for a long time but I think because you know because you like we all do in our youth, we don't take things very seriously. You know, you hear something like, yeah, you're genetically predisposed to high cholesterol. It doesn't sound that bad. It doesn't no sound No one knows like, what that means. No. Yeah. yeah. That you're like, okay. It yeah. doesn't sound life-threatening. And so, you know, in the past several years, I think Cody thought that diet and exercise alone was what he could do instead of the medication. And so we're lucky 
that you know the story ended the way that it did because now we know that it's not enough and I would imagine that for most people it isn't enough um one of the doctors that came by to visit Cody you know told us this very sobering statistic and he said of, of all the people that have uh, coronary artery disease um 25 percent of them their first symptom is death like their first symptom is death I mean that's very very clearly explained um and then I read on the American Heart Association which is a little bit conflicting with what this particular doctor said but that 40 per, around 40 percent of people who experience their first heart attack don't survive mm. so it's a it's a slow it's a slow build, pun intended, mm-hmm. and it's one of those things that you don't often get tested to measure, you know, your, I don't know, the size of your artery. I mean, is there even a test for that? I don't even know, but. No, I mean, I don't know either. I'm not a doctor. Disclaimer, none of us are doctors. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, I think, yeah, I don't know. I know that different doctors we spoke to that evening mm-hmm. were just saying he did everything right. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's his genetics. It is wrong. <laughs> literally his genetics. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, and that, that I think for all of us was like, oh, well, it even, okay. it even put down a piece of the puzzle for our family and for our, our children. You know, now I do have to go and update on all their patient history that we now have known coronary artery disease. We have high, cl- it's known because it will, it should change the way that doctors, you know, observe my children as well. Right. So, you know, how many times on when we're filling out patient forms and it's like, do oh, you have like history N-A, of, N-A, N-A. I just take a None line. of it applies to me. Right. Wait, actually. Right. It matters. It actually might apply to more of us than we realize. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So the specifics of the evening are just what you said. I mean, and, and as Emily alluded to, you know, my husband is an avid hunter he does a lot of things by himself. He'll he'll go hunting alone. It's it's what he loves. Um, and he will, uh, his hunting lease is an hour away. It's in the middle of nowhere. I don't even know if he has strong cell service and he goes often. So that would have been a really devastating place to have had these symptoms start. Also, we live 30 minutes out of town and we have volunteer EMS and firefighters. We've actually had to call um, an ambulance before. It took him 45 minutes to get there. So even in our own home, we we don't have the safety or security of feeling like we could get uh, timely care. Mm-hmm. And so for him to have been at a public restaurant right downtown here in Waco, where we had people that literally were minutes away and um, even with us being out of town, but in 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 a position where we could drive home and just having so many people that I could call. I mean, our family doc, Cody's family doctor is one of his good friends. And so being able to pick up the phone and call him and have him meet Cody at the hospital and be the family representative from that point on until I could get there. And, you know, I said before, but not that I think that God was like, this is your plan. This heart attack is your plan. But (laughs) If he ordained it, it was so perfectly orchestrated, you know, and just the people along the way, very specific people, the the medical community. My husband works with a lot of doctors. I think at one point in the waiting room, we had two of Cody's doctors that he works for, two neurosurgeons, our family doctor who was there as his patient representative, our financial planner <laughs> who was there, and then Catherine and myself, and then another family friend of Cody's, Joel Martinez, who were there 
until like 2.30 a.m. that morning, um, just in the waiting room. We broke all the COVID rules. None of us were supposed to be there. <laughs> the nurses kept being all. like, we're not sure how you got here, <laughs> but okay. <laughs> yeah. It was just, um, it just was a really perfect orchestration and not that you can plan these things, but my goodness, right. if, if I had to plan this, I would plan for it to happen almost exactly the way that it did <laughs> because it could have gone a very different direction. Yeah. yeah. And at one point, Cody's life was in the hands of two 18 year old girls, <laughs> which is something to yes. note that they did a fantastic job. They mm-hmm. did. So Cody was at dinner with my middle child. They had an event at Baylor um, that they were at together. The youngest child was farmed out with some friends. Obviously, Catherine and I were out of town in Houston. And so my middle child, the the 18-year-old that is an Enneagram 9, that is probably the most fear-prone and the most passive, the most non-assertive, not aggressive person was with him. And... Um, yeah, they were at dinner and I remember she texted me and I'll tell y'all this. I haven't really told anybody this. I think I had a premonition because after the experience class, um, Catherine and I and Risa, our new studio manager, were kind of in the green room talking and I was, you and Risa were talking a lot. You, Catherine and Risa were having a full conversation and I was just texting with Landry trying to find out about how the Baylor event went and I was on the phone and so I wasn't really part of the conversation. I think Risa kind of clued in and she said something like, oh, Angela, you just over there on your phone, texting, taking care of family stuff. And I said, yeah, I said, I am taking care. It's just been a crazy night. And when I said that, I immediately thought, but it hasn't been a crazy night yet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But there is that yet at the mm-hmm. end of that. And within 15 minutes, we're on mm-hmm. a phone call trying to get 911. So it's, I don't know, I hate to say I've never been one prone to premonition or having intuition, but I felt something Mm -hmm. was about to happen, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't know, you could be... Something was keeping you close to your phone. Yes. You know, whether it was... Yeah. Well, even in the car, you're texting Landry, how's dinner? Mm -hmm. And she's like, dad's not feeling great. Yeah, she texted me and said... Dad's, dad's not feeling well, so I'm sitting here at dinner alone. Ha ha. <laughs> and so, of course, you know, imagining her in a public restaurant by herself, I'm trying to overtext with her. And normally I wouldn't have asked this question, but I'm so glad I did because I just thought, oh, Cody's got COVID. Mm-hmm. You know, he's, he's yeah, I kind of avoided it the whole time, but here he is. He's going to get it. And so I remember texting. I said, well, what are, your, what are his symptoms? And normally I, I probably wouldn't have asked that. I just would have uh-huh. assumed that he's got a tummy ache and they would go home. Right. But I'm so glad I did because Landry responded and said, I don't know, he has his head down and he can't, he's having trouble breathing. So when I saw trouble breathing, mm-hmm. that's when I knew it was very different. And yeah. so I called Cody and... Um, when he answered the phone, he was just panting. He couldn't get out a full sentence and just, I mean, I think he said four words. And I said, I need you to go to the ER. Can you drive yourself to the ER? And he's like, yeah, yeah, I can go to the ER. So I hung up. I called Landry back and I said, Landry, I need you to be really brave. I know this is really hard, but you've got to be so brave. And I need you to drive your dad to the ER. 
And so she's already crying at this point and she's in the, you know, and I could just hear her panic. I can hear her, okay, I don't know where my keys are. I've got to go find dad and I've got to get my keys in the car. And, uh, you know, she's, she's trying to be raped. And then I think Ka- I heard Catherine say, y'all just need to call 911. Mm-hmm. And so I hung up with her. I said, call, na- need mm-hmm. you to call 911. Hung up with her. You ended up trying to call the restaurant because here's a pro tip that I, you don't know until you're in the moment. When you call 911, it routes you to that local 911. So because we were in Houston, Mm -hmm. I can't make a phone call for 911 in Waco. Yeah. We maybe could have gotten there. You know what I mean? But like just the whole like domino. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. Yeah. That's really good to know. So Catherine ends up calling the restaurant to try to get them to call 911. But that's not a common request. <laughs> so mm-hmm. the poor hostess was so confused. Um, I think she said, she goes, I go, hi, um, you have two people dining in your restaurant right now. Their last name is Be- Beeler. And she goes, Cody. I go, yes, Cody Beeler. Because, you know, obviously he like just walked in yeah. with a reservation. Mm-hmm. I said, he's having a medical emer- emergency right now in your restaurant and you need to call 911. And she goes, I'm going to check the bathrooms. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're not going to the bathrooms. Mm-mm. You're calling 911. And she goes, I need to ask my manager. <laughs> I was like, no, stop. Call 911. Someone needs to call 911 right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. So um, then in the meantime, I call Landry back and it's just going to voicemail over and over and over. I, I didn't realize, but she was on the phone with 911, but I wasn't. We didn't I know wasn't that. sure yeah. if uh-huh. she did it. Yeah. And so I wanted to call and verify. So then I call my friend and her best friend's mom, a good friend of mine, Jennifer Counselor. I was just like, I need you. I need you to get up there. I don't even know what's going on. They live like a couple of minutes from right. Diamondback. So she went up there. Landry called her best friend in the meantime, who also went up there. And that's how Cody became in the care of two 18 year olds um, who are both crying um, at, in the restaurant. But. Yeah, Brett, what, so Landry's best friend, we called at one point and we were like, we just need you to be our eyes. Like, tell us everything that you see. Mm-hmm. Sweet girl, shaky voice, just, you know, spouting out all the information as possible. Yeah. Right. So, you know, in the moments, in those in-between moments and what we found out after was Landry had gone out to the parking lot to try to drive her dad to the hospital and he really wasn't even able to walk to his car or to walk, or I guess to walk to get in his car. So they ended up just going back to the restaurant. And um, he said the staff, you know, he he knew he was having a heart attack, but I don't even think he was kind of ready to say that. So yeah. the staff was like, can we get you some water? And someone brought him like a cold rag to put on his head. And, you know, no one really knows how to Everyone respond. Everyone like kept Nobody offering water. Nobody knows how to respond. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But um Landry said, oh, so funny, she said that when she called 911 that she remembered in her head mm-hmm. either watching a TikTok or seeing someone who had called 911 and they were in such a panic and screaming so loudly that it was unintelligible. So she knew that she had to be very clear and speak very slowly <laughs> when she called 911. So she literally was like, this is Landry Beeler. I am at <laughs> Well, at least it wasn't this. Yeah, yeah, not the sloth. Yeah, but um, yeah. So when the EMS got there, Cody was able to say, "I think I'm having a heart attack," and 
everything that was in slow motion turned into quick motion. Mm-hmm. Even Landry said, yeah, I was kind of mad because EMS, I just kind of walked in there and we're kind of looking around, not hurrying. But when Cody, you know, let the guys know that it was a potential heart attack, they kicked it into high gear. They had him chew up some crushed aspirin. Cody said he had this moment where he kind of looked down and he's got his boots on. Mm-hmm. And there's a song that talks about, you know, dying in your boots. And he was like, this is it. Mm-hmm. This is how I'm going. Here it, here it is. I got my boots on, you know. <laughs> so um, anyway, I think the rest is kind of history. Um, yeah. He, he made it to the – to the ER in about 45 minutes. And, you know, I texted all the key people in his life who met him up there at the hospital. Um, The surgery went with, you know, without complication. Though I will say that the doctor who was on call was supposedly really great. He's Mm -hmm. very experienced, a little older. He's been doing this for a while. When he called me, he actually sounded pretty grave. I, I wasn't expecting it. Mm-hmm. I knew I was going to get a phone call from the doctor, but I, in my head, had already just prepared myself that it'd be like, yeah, I did great. We put the stints in. He's fine. But he actually said he, he sounded incredulous when he was talking to me. I think that's what kind of scared me uh-huh. and honestly still scares me. But, um, you know, he said, Hey, uh, your husband had surgery, put three stints in and here was the blockage and all the arteries. He goes, you know, your husband has severe coronary artery disease. Did you know that? And I said, no, I, no, I don't think I did. He said, yeah, he's, he's, he's surprisingly young. Um, he's got a long recovery ahead of him, but you know, for now he's, he's good. We put this in. in. And so in the moment I was like, what does that mean? Yeah. Is he yeah. never going to be able to exercise again? He's going to mm-hmm. have to have an oxygen machine. Like what, what does that mean? And then as the night unfolded and, and multiple doctors got involved, I mean, they didn't quite seem to say that it was so bad. I mean, I've never really heard mm-hmm. long recovery or mm-hmm. coronary artery disease again. I mean, he went back to work yesterday, mm-hmm. 10 days later. Um, so, yeah. yeah. I don't know. I, I remember so many things, you know, that as a chauffeur and bystander mm-hmm. that – I just don't know how people in moments like this, it's amazing we all get through it mm-hmm. and are able to say like clear words to one another. Right. You know, Angela, like you're, you were, someone asked me, they're like, how was she on the way back? And I was like, she was like command mode, just mm-hmm. anything she could do to alleviate the situation help the situation I mean I remember you looked up and like we're in Waco it, it's like time went so quickly and slowly at the mm-hmm. same time mm-hmm. and there was never I never saw you like out of sorts because I know mm-hmm. you have to be strong in those moments for Landry yeah. and for Brad and for Cody and for Jennifer and everyone involved in his and fa- Andy and all the all the d- different people in his family you have to be the one that's like no this is this is where we're going. This is what's mm-hmm. happening. This is what we're doing. Um, I did feel like I was just running command central, like a communication point <laughs> for people, but it, it was helpful. I mean, it that's what you're thinking about. You can't really think about being scared. Well, or, yeah, mm-hmm. and still so much logic intact. I think mm-hmm. some people can get into a go mode, but it's like what they're doing doesn't make sense. <laughs> yes. You know, yes. like you still had like, <laughs> 
brain cells firing, mm-hmm. like in all the right directions. Mm-hmm. You were still able to even initially think about, well, how does this impact the training tomorrow? It wasn't oh, like yeah. you just like, and like, were completely Freaked overwhelmed yeah. by it. You somehow, by the grace of God, from, from my afar perspective, were able to maintain a sense of control and that's true because I remember you know you have there is that part of your brain that is panicking and it is running worst case scenario yeah yeah yeah. you know like what if I never see my husband Mm -hmm. again what Mm -hmm. how will I tell my kids that but at the same time you know the other part is making because we were in the middle of an instructor training I mean that next Saturday morning we were supposed to be training new instructors we've never canceled a training Mm -hmm. and I've always wondered what would happen what would be the scenario under mm-hmm. which we would cancel? Well, this would be one of them. I mean, because <laughs> Catherine and I, we've had food poisoning the night before. And right. we still we showed have been up. going yeah. it, violently out of both ends. And yes. been like, hi, welcome. Tag team. Refit is yeah. all about belonging. And I mean, it's just like. <laughs> yeah, and in, yeah. In between, we're like sleeping in the back room because we just feel awful. But, Tag yeah. teaming but the I toilet. But I could hear you in the background specifically saying, someone flew in from Minnesota to be here. Like, mm-hmm. very well, that, acutely aware of this impact that was a moment when we were trying to decide logistically how to get you back to Waco uh-huh. and make the training happen mm-hmm. yeah. I remember because you go well just call Emily you know figure it out and I remember because the plan was for me to drive you to college station Emily to come mm-hmm. and pick you up mm-hmm. and I'm like this is not the moment to argue with Angela but that's not what's going to happen <laughs> like, <laughs> like I'm uh, not going to drive back to Houston by I'm not going to drive back to Houston at 4 a.m. just in general and then be away from y'all and not right. be able to be of any help like yeah. I would have felt like and I wasn't I, I don't even think thinking I about that. that I was just thinking about you Practically. know two independent people yeah. making everything work <laughs> right yeah um, I wasn't thinking about the desire to to be and assistant to our family, uh you know, which yes, yes, makes sense on the back end. Our other option was that we would all drive home and that we would delay training. And then Catherine, you would drive back in the morning, you know? Yeah, it is interesting. My mind was in the, in the solutions Mm -hmm. and how can we keep going? I mean, for 10 years of running this business, we've always been solutions focused and we're not canceling class if we have to, you know, even thinking back to refit when we were first teaching in the church and we couldn't have access to that big venue that Mm -hmm. held all of our people. We were like, okay, Okay. we're going to use two different smaller rooms, two smaller rotates and switch to the 30 minute mark. (laughs) Gosh, that's crazy. And there were three of us who it worked. Remember, yeah, if it were yeah. just two, it was kind of hard because you had to like time the songs at the same time. Okay, wait, <laughs> let me unpack this because we, we're like filling in each other's sentences. But two Why we couldn't it. just each take a class and just teach because the whole class? It was like they need all three of us. Everyone needs a yeah, little bit of each Yeah, of we didn't want people to feel like, oh, I I wish got, I had gotten into that room yeah, or yeah. that room. This is okay. the VIP room. So, <laughs> so back in the day, in 2009, probably 2010, we were teaching fitness classes at our local church. And this was like kind of at the peak. We had anywhere from 100 to 150 women who were coming in to take our classes. And so we were always using the Life Center, which held, you know. Like three basketball courts. Yeah. 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 It perfectly held the size of our classes. Well, working, you know, and utilizing a venue in our church, sometimes we couldn't have access to the Life Center. So the church would just let us know, kind of last minute sometimes, Mm -hmm. hey, you can't use Life Center tonight. And they were thinking y'all just need to cancel your classes. And we were thinking, we got 150 people showing up. There's no way that we could cancel. Mm -hmm. So we decided, I think we only had to do this once or maybe twice. 
we decided that rather than doing using the live center, that we would use the youth room and the fellowship hall. Yep. Concurrently, simultaneously, concurrently. at the same time. <laughs> Neither of which held all those people at once. And so we, we met people at the door. Did they? Yes. How we did would, we tell them we which would just room? direct them okay. to the room. Because one was downstairs, on like kind of in the basement or the ground floor. And the other one was on the second floor. So they were coming in the entrance. And it was just like the first 50 people that filled up this room. Everyone else went to the other room. But Emily, Catherine, and I were teaching as a team. And for whatever reason, we decided we would use the same playlist and try to start it at the same time. And we were rotating. So it was like every classes. five songs. So like, obviously, three divided by two. <laughs> <laughs> there would be two people in a room. Mm -hmm. So we somehow worked it out to where each of us would be together mm -hmm. for some portion of the playlist. So that everybody got all of, all of us combination in their room. Point. Yeah, point. we didn't want people to feel like, oh, I got, oh, hello. Sorry. Oh, I got Catherine today. <laughs> She's the worst. Yeah. But we've always been solutions focused. Yes. I mean, that was a... And bending know, over backwards to make it work for people. So right. it was not out of the realm of possibility that you could drive me halfway, Emily could pick me up, you could still do training by yourself. Yeah. That was my plan. I just mm -hmm. remember going, okay. And getting in the car. I was like, I'm not going to argue with you right now. Yeah. That's not what's going to happen. And so on the way, Erin and I really just, I said, hey, what do you think about this as an idea? She was like, I'm going to make it work. And we basically did a hybrid event that, you know, thankfully Risa was down there. It's all those things. It's mm -hmm. all those all things. All those things. That, like the lady from Minnesota who flew down, I think got a, still got an amazing experience. Mm -hmm. and, I hope so. You know, it's just, yeah, we... Yeah, a lot of provision happened that we couldn't have planned for if we mm -hmm. had tried, mm -hmm. you know. The mm -hmm. host herself, having had experienced oh, a very that was similar, if not exact. Yes, that's something I definitely want to say because the host of our training, she's the one that literally is doing all of the work behind the scenes to have this event. Um, you know, the whole team did such a good job of heavy lifting and mm -hmm. putting a plan together and turning the host team, not just into a hosting team, but a training team. <laughs> All of it was just so, so great. Everybody was having to kind of step out of their comfort zones a little bit. But afterwards I had messaged the host just to personally thank her. Cause I, yeah, cause I had a lot to be thankful for. Right. Yeah. And so yeah. I messaged her and what Emily said is true. She responded and said that she herself had had this exact same surgery with a hundred percent blockage in the really bad artery mm -hmm. for all accounts and intents and purposes. She should not be here. Yeah. She's a walking miracle. Um, she had this exact same surgery. I think she said either seven or nine seven months, ago. months ago. Yeah. So, you know, talk about somebody that can have sympathy for a situation versus someone that has full empathy yeah. for it. Yeah. I think it just made her, you know, understanding in a way, not that any host would be not understanding mm -hmm. but it gave her a greater understanding of exactly what we were walking through and since then we've kept in touch with um just me asking some very specific questions about mm -hmm. recovery and you right. know what does life look like for her right now because she does teach refit um so that was just kind of a I mean how do you orchestrate well, that <laughs> yeah and, and not to like throw out statistics but it is far more common in men mm -hmm. than women oh for sure so even like the rarity uh -huh. that you would find another female right 
undergo the same wild. experience it is like even more uncommon mm-hmm. did yeah. you say that she right before the event i don't know if you know that she oh. came up to me at the experience class and i said something to her i don't know what prompted it from her and she goes oh yeah i won't, almost wasn't here not that long ago i'll have to tell you about it later oh wow little did she know later <laughs> was gonna be sooner than mm-hmm. later yeah yeah, yeah. Um, we also had a really cool nurse that was a traveling nurse because the hospital. No, not a cool nurse. She is an angel. No, I found her. Oh, you did? She is a legitimate <laughs> person. I mean, we she wanted... also might be an angel. Yeah. Yes. We were having trouble locating her after um, the event. And so Catherine was convinced that she like appeared and disappeared just yeah. for this well, moment. No, I do believe But that I have happens. her text number. <laughs> um, angels can have phones. Totally. <laughs> they can have all sorts of things. Um, but, but I Who won't say her can? name because she did break some rules um, to get me in. But um, she was a traveling nurse. She's not typically here in Waco. Um, but uh, when we were having some trouble getting into the hospital to see my husband because of COVID protocols, um, she got me in a back door the next day. Um, so this strange, and I know this is just COVID times. Everybody has, you know, has had this experience. But our particular hospital, they because of COVID, they only allow one visitor per day. Not but per one, diem. one <laughs> single visitor per day. Not, yeah, not one at a time. Right. Not one at a time. But one per day. So I sent Catherine up to the hospital on Saturday morning. So it was about four out four hours after we had left five hours yes. after we had left because mm-hmm. I didn't get to sleep I couldn't sleep and so I didn't get to sleep until like 4 a.m and, and who knows when this like new clock starts right I was like, like I've been here today hour. I've already been right. here today <laughs> Since 1201 midnight, is today we've all been here we've all yeah. been here <laughs> yeah so Catherine went up to I wanted um, someone there in case the doctors were doing their rounds between 9 and 11 and I wanted somebody there. And so I sent Catherine up, didn't realize that because she was the quote unquote first visitor that she would then be the only visitor allowed for the entire day. We found that out because Emily was trying to get up mm-hmm. yes. and she was like, y'all, it is per day, all caps. And I she was said, like, Cody already has his visitor for the day. Mm. <laughs> And you said something like, Ooh. that is <laughs> not Catherine. We don't have, we don't have the name. Yeah. We just hi- have highlighted um, the armband. The, the armband is already upstairs. Yeah, you mishighlighted. That's what I would have said. <laughs> also, it is not me. The per diem quota is not Catherine. Yeah. <laughs> right. And I said, that's going to be a problem. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, when you texted that, I remember I was t- talking to Cody. He had just gotten something taken out of his arm and he kind of went pale for a second because he has that what's it called vasovagal response and so he was like compress I was like, oh, yes. <laughs> like, so i ran i got like all the paper towels i was like forehead neck what, what, what do you prefer um but you texted that and i was i mean my heart like dropped and i was like just give me one second <laughs> <laughs> i need to make myself scarce yeah <laughs> so i was trying to figure out how to Put get a bag in. over your head yeah we were trying to figure out you know can Catherine give me her armband and i sneak in and i'll just tell you whenever you have to do that trick like yeah just just walk past security and just don't look them in the eye just pretend like you're supposed to be here i very i get caught 10 out of 10 times so I knew I would not be you able can't, to do it. You can't not just like stare him down and make direct eye contact, like, you know, the opposite of what you're supposed to So I ended up calling this nurse from the night before because she was so sweet. She 
called me as we were on our way and told me not to write, you know, rush. She's like, we've got it under control. I've seen accidents happen when people are trying to get to the hospital, mm-hmm. be with a loved one. Please slow down. Whoops. I live, I live in college station where you guys are traveling through. So please, you know, don't rush. And then she texted me after. So I had her phone number. So I called her on Saturday to say, Hey, they're not letting me in. Cause technically he's already had this one visitor. Is there anything you can do? And she said, give me 15 minutes, meet me by this doorway. So she came up, she wasn't even working. She came up to the hospital on her birthday and her day off and her day off, met me at the employee door and let me in, walked me to the elevator. And she was like, Hey, remember we've never met. And I looked at her and I said, I'm sorry, who are you? And then I got into the circle. She goes, see you later. And I yelled as the doors were closing. I don't know who you are. (laughs) So, So then I went up and this is when I am proud of my Academy Award here, you guys. I go up to the to the floor. Cody's in ICU. And they had those locked doors because I'm on the employee side. So technically, I should have a badge to open all the doors, and I don't. Yeah, yeah. And so um, I see this nurse walking ahead of me. And so I call out to her, and I was like, Miss, could I walk in with you through the doors? And she turned around, and she goes, yeah, 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 come on. And then she stopped, and she goes, wait, how did you get up here? And I said, you know what? I've been asking myself the same question. All I was trying to do was go downstairs to the lobby and I took a turn this way and that way. I have no idea where I'm even at. I'm just trying to get back to my husband who's in ICU and somehow I ended up here. So she was like, okay, yeah, come on. But I was even convincing yeah. myself. Like, oh, where am I? I'm so turned around. <laughs> yeah. just, gee golly whiz. This hospital is so confusing. It's it trying so to get, confusing. oh, what do you know about that breakfast? Do you like the breakfast around here? I know that one, that pastry <laughs> <Yeah>. was dry. <laughs> <laughs> and my conscience can rest easy because... We had all been there that day. Yeah, technically. Yes. Technically, we'd all been there that day. Well, and what a policy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's stupid. Joe Schmo. <laughs> been like, I'm going to check on my buddy Cody this morning. Joe nope. Schmo gets to be there all day. I mean, I know. And they're not. <laughs> that was the frustrating thing. Uh-huh. They didn't say, hey, What's your relationship with the patient? Yeah. And let me call up to the know patient. That and this that by you coming into these doors today that you are the only person allowed. Had that been said to me, I would not have walked up they the stairs. They said that they say that. Yeah. They're like, we verify well, with every guest and make sure there were six people know. around me. And they were but literally like, here's no. your band. I will say, having been at that hospital the, the next two days. Um, the number of people that I saw at the registration desk trying to argue mm-hmm. about, well, we didn't know about that policy or mm-hmm. who was that that was visiting my friend. I didn't know that they were coming. You know, it it was rampant. Oh, so yeah. I it's know stressful. that they were They're gatekeepers stressed. and kind of annoying, but it's because everybody's trying to be the exception right. to the rule. You right. know? Can I share the verse that I'm talking about that yeah. explains How why? angels have phones? Yes. Okay. <laughs> it's Hebrews 13, 1 and 2. Mm-hmm. Keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers. For by so doing, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. Ooh. It's in there, guys. <laughs> With mm-hmm. their phones. Said nurse <laughs> is an actual angel. Yes. So. Yes. There you go. So in, anyway, fast forward, you know, life as we know it looks a little different. And I think I really struggled with fear the very first couple of days. Everything's just high alert. It doesn't matter, mm-hmm. you know, when Cody went to take a shower for the first time once he was home. I'm overly listening to see if I hear a uh, fall on the floor or, 
you know, when I left him at home for the first time, I was like, okay, every hour I want a proof of life text. Okay. Mm -hmm. Just, just one text. And he did it zero times. Mm -hmm. So that was fun. That's helpful. (laughs) Um, and now that he's back at work, one of you guys pointed out that even if something were to happen when he's at work, he's in the best place. (laughs) In the hospital. (laughs) I was like, he is literally in the hospital. You couldn't be in a better location. Right. 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 It's actually safer than him being at home. Yeah, Uh, totally. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I think every day will bring, here's what I said to somebody. I said, his body broke trust with us. His body broke trust with him and his body broke trust with us. And just like anyone that has broken trust, you have to restore that. And Mm -hmm. day by day Mm -hmm. and moment by moment, we're going to learn to trust his body again, but it's just going to take some time, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, And then the final thing I just want to talk about is, the the community i mean it takes a moment like this and i you know i hope none i hope most of us never have to have it just lean on my advice <laughs> lean on my experience because i don't want you guys to have to walk through this either but i think we all walk around re- knowing that we know a lot of people mm-hmm. and that yes when push comes to shove we've got people that we can call but you know i think for cody especially and myself you know sometimes those connections with your quote unquote community aren't as prevalent, especially after COVID times Um, or they're taken for granted or you get into that like negative mindset where I don't have any friends. We don't have any community, blah, blah, Mm -hmm. blah. The number of people that texted me and uh, dropped things by the hospital and not, they didn't ask if they could. Mm -hmm. It was like, I am here. Can you come downstairs and get this care package? Um, Mm -hmm sign up for meals, just, it was, it was overwhelming. Like it was. And I, I made a point in the moment when text started coming in that I was going to respond to every person uh, because I could. And so many people apologized and said, you mm-hmm. know, I'm so sorry to bother you. Please don't respond to this, but I just want to let you know that I'm thinking about you. And, and I thought, no, I want to be in the moment present with these people too, as much as I'm present with everything that's going on because this is part of the story, mm-hmm. right? This is part of, of it all. And so I hope, I think I was like 99.9% accurate. Every person that responded in that moment, I responded back just to let them know that it was super meaningful. And what I learned is this, I have seen those posts from people that they've gone through a traumatic event or someone was in the hospital and in my mind, I have talked myself out of responding or texting because I've said, well, I don't know them that well. Right. We haven't talked in four years. Mm-hmm. They've got community that's, that's serving and loving them. And so I haven't responded. My entire viewpoint has been turned upside down onto that. And because the number of people that responded in that same scenario, we haven't mm-hmm. talked in years. They are not close to me. Um, in fact, many people, I was so surprised I even had my phone number right. that texted to Cody on behalf of Cody um, just to offer prayers and support. It mattered. Mm-hmm. It yeah. was a wildly significant moment to feel so loved mm-hmm. and so thought of. Even just a simple text went so far mm-hmm. in those moments. So my encouragement would be like, there's no harm in texting someone and do not apologize if you're texting someone that -hmm. you're praying for them. Never apologize for that. If that person's annoyed by your text, that's on that person, not on you. Right. Um, but 
you know, I even had, sorry, I will name drop here. Even Joanna Gaines texted you guys. I mean, that, you know, and my immediate response was, oh my gosh, you're so busy. <laughs> you, you do not have to take the time, you know, but uh, her text was as significant as the friend I hadn't talked to in 10 years. Absolutely. Um, or the high school teacher that messaged me on Facebook or the refit community that sent gift cards and people around the world that were praying. I mean, every time I shared Cody with Cody, what people had done or said, I mean, his eyes, you know, just filled with tears because he couldn't, he just couldn't believe it. It's Mm -hmm. hard to wrap your mind around and it, it's such a, um, just such a good feeling, you know, to be able to experience that through, a really hard situation so and feeling so disconnected from people mm-hmm. the last two years yeah mm-hmm. yes we've been connected like online whatever but that it's like you got just a tidal wave mm-hmm. if if you had any doubt if you had any question if you had any hesitation in the back of your mind mm-hmm. all these people came running through yeah in your time well and you. it was an opportunity to share um an experience with people you know like mm-hmm. you you had a, a shared moment yeah mm-hmm. and, and I did share on social media right. and it was interesting the way that I was questioning my um my vulnerability about setting about sharing you know specific posts I kept thinking oh is this gonna look bad that mm-hmm. that Cody is in ICU and I'm sharing this post about him mm-hmm. but at the same time it was a really great way to let people know all at once uh, right right update right. them all at once mm-hmm. and then if they wanted to respond they could and if they wanted to look poorly at that well again that's on them right I will say one more thing because I've seen people sometimes after traumatic events weeks or days later they'll they'll kind of come back to that social media space and say because of because we experienced this trauma situation I want to let you guys know like how to respond and how not to respond here's Mm -hmm. what you say here's what you don't say and yeah I've seen that and I, it's hard because we're, we're, we have good news that came out of trauma. I know people that have had an actual loss or a death. Maybe part of their grieving process is to like help people understand how to say, how to be, what to do mm-hmm. in those truly traumatic events. But I got to say, any, any thought about the way someone texted or what they said or what they commented if there was even a slight check in my in my heart or in my mind like oh you just put three heart emojis that wasn't very thoughtful my immediate thought was but they didn't have to do anything at all mm-hmm. they didn't have to do anything everyone's at all. doing their best they are doing their best they're trying they are doing their best and so and they probably read a few do this or that and they're like well i don't know what to say so yeah. here's my heart Here's my heart emojis, you know? So I think just operating out of gratitude will change the way that you kind of see how people respond. Um, You know, it, again, everybody processes trauma. And so I don't want to even be hard on people who may have been corrective Mm -hmm. in the way that they've received responses or or care or gratitude, you know, whatever. But for me and for that experience, I just was so touched and we were just so moved that there wasn't room Mm -hmm. to be critical about how people responded or the lack thereof. Yeah. So, and I think people's desire in the, any, any way they can to be present Mm -hmm. with Mm y'all, that's what you see through that. Like they're trying to be with you. I think the word compassion 
don't quote me somebody tell me i'm wrong um in greek uh it's either greek or hebrew it means to suffer with mm-hmm. uh-huh. and it's that pre- like a, yeah a level up from sympathy or empathy. yeah or it's that presence of like i'm gonna be present in your suffering with you mm-hmm. that that you guys just experience so much of yeah, yeah. you know yeah even with the meal train, you know, we still have meals coming basically this week and next, and I am going to cancel <laughs> next week's for sure. Um, but I reached out to a friend and sa- who has gone through something similar and just said, should I cancel? I feel bad. Like, I can cook. It's not, I, it's not that I can't cook. My family can be fed. And she said, let them help. That's, that's their way of being close mm-hmm. to the situation. That's the way that they have offered to, to give mm-hmm. and care for your family. So right. you can let them do that. So I'll end with this, and maybe we can have a little music excerpt. Oh, okay. Uh, not, not now. <laughs> well, we're going to have but a little music. <laughs> oh, wait, I can pull it up. We can also put it in after. You can. But or, or now. <laughs> so, you know, everything for our family is going to have a slight tinge of humor and sarcasm, even, even when death has knocked on our door, <laughs> which honestly... This is the way I would want to go. Like at my funeral, please have everybody laugh. Um, so Cody was trying to make a decision about if he could go hunting literally four days after his event. And I said, you know, of course, um, as long as you can get two doctors to clear you, Mike and your cardiovascular surgeon or your cardiologist. If, if they give you the thumbs up, then you can go. So he talked it over and they both said yes. And he was really excited about going hunting. Um, he ended up not going because he was having some pain at the incision point of the surgery, unrelated to his heart. But anyway, so when we were all in the living room kind of talking through whether or not he was going to go, um, I said, girls, dad's going to go hunting. We're going to support him. And he also has a new theme song, right? And I was like, can anybody guess what it is? Let me see. Oh my gosh, I know this. Song. <laughs> I couldn't hear it. Oh I needed two notes and I know that song. I know, everybody is. So this is going to be our new theme song. Anytime that Cody is, anytime we're fearful, we're going to play this. Hold on. How's your kitchen when you get that you know, kind of song. Tim McGraw. Man, what you do? I went sky yeah. I know Rocky Mountain climbing I went 2.7 seconds On a full name for the mansion And I looked deeper And I spoke sweeter And I gave forgiveness I've been denied Hey, everybody And he said, someday I hope you get the chance What? Live like you die. I can't So we're gonna have that queued up, and every time he goes away, this is his like his walkout music. <laughs> it is. It's his walkout. Song, his walkout yeah. song. <laughs> or maybe yeah. it, walking out of the bedroom each morning. Yeah, his <laughs> walkout out into the day. Yeah, there's been no greater purpose and awareness of your life on earth than mm-hmm. than his moment, his brush with death. In his cowboy boots. <laughs> the end. On a quick note, did you guys come up with, we don't have to talk about it, but did y'all have a turning point moment in your lives? Can you think of one? 
I don't think anyone can. No, you're not trying to top. I no, just... I know I'm not trying to top it. Beat that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I have a couple, I think. Yeah. Do you, Emily? Yeah, but I mean, they're all like heavy and sad. I know. Same. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, like shaping moments, mm-hmm. you know, things that like, even when my brain has started to smooth out and all the wrinkles are like no longer helping me recall my memories, mm-hmm. like those moments that like will still be the, still dictating there. how I'm behaving. Yeah. Yeah. But, but all have resulted in like a positive growth of some kind. Is that for both of you guys? Is that true? That you've gone through a traumatic event and on the other side of it years now you feel like it was mm-hmm. purposeful? Probably now. Okay. The point I was trying to make, which you guys are making it hard to make, is <laughs> that <laughs> on the other side of, of turning points and traumatic events, you know, you do kind of have this recognition of purpose mm-hmm. and pain that, that leads to perhaps passion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there's... So I actually was thinking about this for our 10-year party for Refit, if we could talk about pain and promise. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I think it's really important to hold on to promise when you're Mm -hmm. enduring pain. Mm -hmm. But it feels so foolish. And Mm -hmm. so pain, promise, purpose, all of that, it's all connected. But then there's there's this, and I think that's why Emily and I both are kind of hesitating, there's this injustice mm-hmm. that you just can't, it's like, where do you put it? Mm-hmm. Where, where does that sit on? What book does that sit in on my shelf of my head and my library of books? Cause yeah. I, it just is like screaming all the time mm-hmm. and it doesn't go away. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think a lot of people can turn that into growth or purpose or promise, but it's still there. Yeah. And I get that. Ours is a, our story right now is a very happy ending, statistically mm-hmm. speaking. So it doesn't feel like trauma. Mm-hmm. It mm-hmm. felt like a momentary pain that had the promise delivered mm-hmm. at the end of it. So mm-hmm. I, I, rec- I get that, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was 100% trauma. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if I was on the other side of right. it, talking about the loss of my husband. Exactly. Different story. I would absolutely have to fight for <laughs> what is the promise. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yes. Yeah. So I can see with other people's turning uh-huh. points, if it wasn't an immediate happy ending and yeah. more of a, like over time you start to understand the pain mm-hmm. of it. Yeah. That makes sense. Anyway. Yeah. Well, thanks for. Well, let me share sort one. Of sure. well, let okay. me share one thing that is indirectly related, indirect object and indirectly related mm-hmm. to this. So I, um, had a friend who lost a sibling at a, in a traumatic accident with another sibling. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the sibling accidentally ran over mm-hmm. the other child. And um, I remember going through all the motions of, do I go to the funeral? Do I, you know, and my, this friend had called me on the way to the hospital when the accident happened mm-hmm. and also has best friends from high school and middle school. And, and, and I'm not that person. And, Anyway, I ended up going because of what we've all talked about of like, I'm just going to go and be present. And if I see them or not, it doesn't matter. I'm just going, you know. So got on a flight, went to the, 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 the service. And I remember one of her siblings was talking about the accident and said, and this really stuck with me. Um, I guess I'm sharing maybe one of my like 
indirect turning point mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. through this through this grief and tragedy. And it, it's hard to explain in context because so much had happened at the funeral before this moment. But he said, I feel like I'm staring at a beautiful painting, but I'm a centimeter or an inch away from it. My nose is basically on it and I cannot see its beauty right now. Mm -hmm. But as the weeks and the days and the months and the years go by, I will start to take steps backwards and start to be able to see the beauty. Mm -hmm. And this individual just lost a sibling, you know, and I just thought, yeah, Mm -hmm. that is all of our hope Mm -hmm. that the, you know, as time goes by, we'll be able to start to see again. Time brings perspective. Yeah. 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 Well, thanks guys. Thank you for listening to that story and bearing through all the details. I know some of which are boring if you just wanted a fun, lighthearted podcast, but um, we'll get back to that next time we record. Yeah. And (laughs) there was, hopefully for you listeners, there, there were, takeaways yes. woven mm-hmm. throughout all of the last 60 minutes yes. that you got to listen to so yes oh and i'm sorry go i do get, have to say this go get your heart check go yes. get your mm-hmm. a lot of people right. have course corrected and now they're freaked out about it so go see your doctor once a year if you have any family history of coronary heart disease or high cholesterol express those concerns to your doctors if you're really concerned about it, as in both or one parent has had an event, a heart attack, whatever, just press the issue with your doctor. Sometimes they don't want to test you for certain things until it's too late or mm-hmm. until there's an actual symptom. Right. Pay for peace of mind if yep. you're really worried about it. Um, and then I would say get CPR certified. We all mm-hmm. just did this past Sunday. Um, know the symptoms of a heart attack. If you go to the American Heart Association website, it's very clear. They talk through symptoms of heart attack, cardiac arrest, and stroke. And so Mm -hmm. just be aware of what those are. And don't downplay your symptoms. Uh, So many, I think, men we've talked about, Mm -hmm. we've talked with in the last couple of weeks was having a heart attack or having Mm -hmm. a cardiac moment and just, I'm fine, I'm fine, Mm -hmm. I'm fine. Like, don't do that. Well, it's a good practice to be tuning into your body regularly so that you can be aware when it doesn't feel like it normally does. You know, Mm -hmm. if we're never really paying attention to Mm -hmm. how our body's operating, it's very hard to determine when it feels off. What's the worst thing that could happen is you get a ride in the ambulance. Yep. Yeah. And they go, you're fine. And you go, okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> like, better yeah. that than something right. else. Yep. Just don't trick yourself into believing that because you work out and eat well, that you're not at risk for anything. It definitely helps. But if you have family history, pay attention to that as well. Mm-hmm. Signing out. Thanks for listening, guys. We love y'all. See you later. Bye. Bye.